a crowd had gathered around Jesus one day, which wasn't unusual. In the days in the first century, as Jesus walked on this earth, people were just glued to him. They wanted to hear what he had to say. And gathered on this particular time were both common people, tax collectors, sinners, and also in that group were the Pharisees and the scribes. The tax collectors, the common people, the, the sinners of the day had an interest in what Jesus said. But the Pharisees, scribes, and religious leaders were indignant at his words. And the primary accusation against Jesus in that first century was this. He eats with sinners. He fellowships with the common. He engages tax collectors, and sinners. And so, in response to these accusations against Jesus concerning his ministry, Jesus told a series of three stories that are found in Luke 15. These three stories are, first of all, a story about a lost sheep. They're in verses 4 through 7 of Luke 15. Secondly, he told the story about a lost coin that needed to be found. Verses 8 through 10 of Luke 15. And then in verses 11 through through 32, Jesus tells the third part or the third story in this series about a lost boy, a lost son. We tend to call him the prodigal. So turn with me, please, to Luke 15 and follow me as we look at this passage. Now, let me remind you that we're in a series called New Wineskins, and we are identifying the reason that Jesus, in his ministry, in his words, in his actions, that Jesus coming onto the human platform had to have a new wineskin. Because the old wineskins of religion of that day would not, would not uh, accompany the ministry of Christ. So Jesus said, I need a new wineskin. We're starting all over on this thing. New wineskins. And the new wineskin that we find in this passage, particularly in the story of the prodigal son, is a new wineskin for forgiveness. The freedom that's found in the forgiveness of God. And Jesus illustrates that in this story of the prodigal son, the freedom of forgiveness. Now, I know that you've heard this story uh, before and uh, likely many times, but let me ask you this morning to hear it again in a fresh way. Listen again to the words of the story in 
a way that God can speak to you right now. <clears throat> Verses uh, 11 through 32 of Luke 15. I'm reading from uh, the, uh, the uh, new, um, what is it? <laughs> new Living, New Living Translation. Thank you. Verse 11. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told this story. So he's already told two. This is story number three. A man had two sons. The younger son told the father, I want my share of your estate now, before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, the younger son packed all of his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he went through all the money. He wasted all the money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. And the young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding to the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here, here I'm dying of hunger. I will go home. And I will go to my father, and I will say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both you and heaven, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to his servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and now returned to life. He was lost, but he's now found. And so the party began. But meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working, and when he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back. He was told, and your father is killed. The fattened calf were celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother became angry, wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet, when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf? His father said to him, Look, dear son, you've always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We have to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost. But now he is found. I want to look at this story from the perspective of the three cast members, the three people in this story. First of all, there is the runaway son. Secondly, there is the resentful brother. And then thirdly, there is the redemptive father. 
But before we even jump into the characters in the play, I I want to uh, just kind of make a side note on this particular parable. Most times when uh, a pastor preaches on this or we study on this, we look at this younger son as representing the lost people, people going to hell as the world. We see him as illustrating what people do when they're not Christians. And that plays into this, certainly. But as I studied it, and I never realized this before, that in fact, the, the thrust of this passage is about family. These were two sons to the father. They were both related to the father. They both were birthed from the father. What I'm saying is this, that the younger son is not so representative of what people do when they're not Christians. Both sons represent different types of Christians who are not relating well with the father. You with me? Okay, with that said, let's dive into this. First of all, the runaway son. The runaway son was the acting out type of individual. The guy that was out there. The guy that wanted what he wanted. We, we see the younger son sinfulness in his actions, in what he does. What he does is seen by a lot of people. He just doesn't care. He's out there, and he wants to do what he wants to do. He won't let wise restraint stop him from dipping his toe in the world. And so he comes to his father with this out-there personality, and he says, Dad, you know, I'm getting mature now, and I'd like to have the money. Because I've heard all these stories, you know, out beyond where we live. And so his father agrees to that, and he allows his son to make all these mistakes. The runaway son has a, that kind of mentality that says, let me be, I've got to learn by experience. Kind of a hard-headed guy. This video represents the runaway son. Just gets out of the ditch and jumps right back into it. That's the runaway son. That was his mindset. Uh, Some of the comments on this video called the stuck sheep. 
some of the people that commented said this, that's the story of my life. <laughs> Another one said, this is why Jesus calls us sheep. And then the third said, that is the greatest, greatest representation of what believers do when Jesus drags us out of the pit. Some of us just learn from the school of hard knocks. We know God. We've been born again. But there is a wild hair growing. And when a believer goes out into the world and gets a taste of the consequences of sin, the type of behavior that will ruin your life, the world will drag us in and then toss us on the garbage heap. That is until we repent. Until we come to ourselves. Until we look at our life and think, what am I doing? How did I get here? Sin will always take us further than we wanted to go. Always. And it will hurt us deeper than we ever imagined. And so this runaway son takes off for the distant land to enjoy all the lights and the frills and the thrills that he had never had before that this world offered. And he lost everything he had. And then in the context of a famine, he begins to starve. And he decides to go back home. And the father is there with arms open to receive him and to welcome him home. The runaway brother, or the runaway son. The resentful brother is another interesting guy. He is more the quiet type, internalizing things, more of a reserved personality. But don't be dissuaded. This guy has his own problems. This guy has his own sin issues. They're just not public and out there like his brother. This is, this is the good son. Because nobody's seen the actions that from the older brother that the younger brother did. The, younger, the older brother is seething. The resentful brother. Rebellion is never far from his heart. Whereas the runaway son sinned in action, the resentful brother sins in attitude. Whereas the younger brother, his behavior was bad, the resentful brother's primary issue was bitterness. This good brother, 
She tries to make us believe that he is a good brother. In fact, he tries to convince his father. Are you kidding me, Dad? Don't you remember? I'm the one that stayed. I'm the one that's worked the fields. I'm the one that's done what you said. So why in the world would you honor him? So this resentful brother had an issue both with his father and with his younger brother. The issue he had with his father was essentially this. Dad, you cut me out of this deal. Dad, this is not what I thought you would do. Dad, this is not the kind of life I intended. You're cutting me out. You're messing with me. You're not treating me correctly. The resentful brother was essentially accusing God of child abuse. His dad. Dad, you're not treating me right. There are a lot of believers who represent this resentful brother. A lot of you have been the younger brother, the runaway brother, and you, man, you filled your life with that stuff, and you've realized that is not who I want to be. But on the other side, some of us have been in church as long as we can remember. We've been Christians a long time. We've been trying to be disciplined and right and serve God and, and walk according to all the rules that He has. And yet, in our heart deep is a bitter root that says, God, why aren't you treating me better? God, why are you allowing these things to happen in my life? I don't deserve them. I look around and, God, I see you blessing other people. I look around and I see, God, that even the runaway brother who, who ruined his life in that period and should be in shambles. And here I am. And God, you're not being fair to me. The third person in this trilogy <clears throat> is the redemptive father. And he's the hero of the story. Because the father did something 
nobody expected him to do. No one. Nobody in the, in the uh, crowd that had gathered around Jesus, nobody hearing his words expected him to say, and the Father welcomed him back, put a ring on his finger, killed the fatted calf, and we had a partay. Nobody expected that. The religious leaders around him would have been absolutely struck to the core at this father representing God because they had no platform for forgiveness. They, they, they had nothing. They had no theology that would, that would have a God figure Welcome back somebody who had messed up their life so much. And so the father is the hero because he did something nobody else thought they thought he would do. It blew their minds. It would have been blasphemous, sacrilege, and profane to them for this father to open his arms and welcome back. There's a story that is an ancient uh, Asian story, legend, that has some, um, uh, some likening to the story of the prodigal son. It's in a story, <clears throat> a book called The Man with Dirty Hands by Curtis Leans. In the story, this man had a son. It was a wealthy family, and the son was growing up in a very, very structured home. But the son got involved with the wrong crowd. And they began to rob houses. And after a short period of time, the gang told the son, you know, your father's wealthy. You come from a wealthy home. Work it out so that we can burglarize, rob your home. And so the boy did. And he made the way, he let the, the door unlocked. He prepared the way and met his gang there at his house when his parents weren't there. And they ransacked the place. Later, the boy started feeling very, very remorseful and guilty about what had happened, particularly because his gang picked up and took off and left him alone to face the consequences. And so the young man went to his dad and said, Dad, I was a part of this, but I'm sorry. Dad, I, I, I know that I have offended you. I know that I have marred our name in the community. Father, I'm so sorry. The father said, son, welcome back. And the father created a similar party for his son like the uh, prodigal son's father did and called all of his relatives in and prepared this huge meal. And so they all sat down because the father said, my son has returned. All sit down for this big meal. Well, at the end of the meal, the father then 
offered the son a glass of wine to toast his return. And they drank the wine, the father and son. And after a few minutes, the son grabbed his throat and he began to choke. And he fell on the floor, dead. The father had poisoned his own son. And the father felt that was justified because the son had so offended the father and the family name. That's more of the mindset that was in the religious culture of the first century. Make them pay. Jesus steps in and said, No, welcome them home. Kill the fatted calf for whatever you've done, however many times you've done it, whether it is it's sinful activity that hurts you and the consequences of sin are, are, are rising in your life or you're over here as the resentful brother and you're wondering, why, God, what is the deal? In either case, where there is repentance, there is the open-armed forgiveness of the Father. Tell you one last story and I'm through. <clears throat> I can find it. There it is. A traveler was making his way through the jungles of Burma, and he had with him a guide. And as they made their way through that jungle territory, they came across a river. And the river was wide, but it wasn't deep, so that they could walk through it. When they got to the other side, the traveler realized that while he was in the water, some leeches had attached themselves to him. When he saw that, he started to grab the leech and pull it off, but the guide said, stopped him and said, no. He said, what you need to do is to bathe in warm balsam. Bathe in warm salt water. And as you do, the leeches will just release themselves. If you try to pull them off, their heads can stay in there and get infected and all problems. But if you bathe in this water, they will just let go. I want you this morning to bathe in the forgiveness of God. I want you to fill up a big old tub of grace. Forgiveness, mercy, love. And I want you to jump in the middle of it and have a party. Knowing that Jesus made this difference. And whatever's been done, wherever you are right now, 
whatever's gone on or hasn't gone on. If you're mad at God or if you are broken, look to Him and let His forgiveness fill you. And those leeches of resentment, those leeches of anger, uh, those leeches of the world, bathing in the forgiveness of God, will let go. So just leave.